Hello and welcome to Table Topics, the general advice and discussion podcast from the RPG Academy. This is where we discuss topics that came up at our gaming table or yours. I am Michael and this is Table Topics number 54 of Dyson Men. In this episode, Caleb and I had the pleasure of sitting down with Kelly Slagle and Seth Polanski of Cave Girl Productions. Kelly was the director and editor and Seth, the executive producer and all-around sound guy for the feature film of Dyson Men. Recently, I threw out a ignorant tweet to their Twitter account, which is Dice and Men Movie, thinking that they were connected to the book of Dyson Men that I had recently read and had mentioned on our recent Friends with Cthulhu and Friends podcast. They were very nice and educated me that they were not affiliated with the book, but they were actually the production company behind the feature film of Dyson Men, which is in fact based off of a play by the same name, which was written by Cameron McNary. Now, uh, Cameron does star in the movie, and he also was a co-writer in adapting it from his original play to the screen. So Kelly and Seth were awesome. They also were nice enough to let Caleb and I have a chance to watch the movie beforehand. It's, it's already premiered, but it's not necessarily on wide release yet. Uh, So we were able to get a hold of a copy, and we both watched it, and we both really, really liked it. I think it's awesome, and I'm very excited for people to get a chance to see it, uh, which you can do this year at Gen Con, as well as at Dragon Con. Now, there are going to be two showings at Gen Con. The first is Friday night from 9 p.m. to 10.30. Uh, It's a free showing, and there are lots of seats left, which is a tragedy. The thing you would want to search for, I guess the ID is FLM1465232. It's also playing again Sunday morning, 11 a.m. to 12.30. Again, free show and seats left, and that would be FLM1466755. And then lastly, you can actually also see the play that it is based off of, performed by the Otherworld Theater Company on Saturday at Gen Con. That show is from 7 to 9. There is a cost of $6, but there are plenty of seats left. And that um, number is ENT1454148. Uh, All of that will be in the show notes in case you want to look that up, and I really hope that you do. I also want to give out two uh, Patreon shout-outs for this uh, episode. Scott B., who you may know as Titibiake Martin, also known as Titty Butts, from our Fade Deadlands game, is already a friend of the show, and now he's a patron of our show as well. Uh, So thank you very much, Scott. Your name will be added to our patron wall soon. I want to give a special shout out to Stacy, who upped her pledge not once but twice this month in order to get us to another milestone, as well as to get to the point where we will start playing a game with her over Google Hangouts. Now, Caleb and I are still working out the details on that game, but uh, once we know some more information, we will spread the word as well. But we're very excited to have both Scott, um, Scott newly added to our patron list, and then Stacy for uh, becoming a more prolific donor. So we do have a five-star review on iTunes this week from Lothanian. The title is The Only RPG Podcast You May Ever Need. Lothanian goes on to write, With a switch to a format covering all RPGs, this podcast now offers it all. Some episodes feature gameplay, while others touch on topics pertinent to the hobby. The guys are responsive to their listeners, and now they even offer interviews with other people influential in the hobby. Plus, they set up some really cool gaming t-shirt offers. The conversation is witty and normal. You won't be drowning in jargon and conceit with these two guys. I used to listen to many gaming podcasts, but with life being what it is, I had to cut back the shows I listened to. This one wasn't dropped. 
It's the only gaming podcast I have and need. Thanks, guys. I hope that we can continue to live up to that review. Thank you so much for taking the time to write it. Anyone else out there listening, if you agree or disagree, we'd also like to hear from you. And don't want to forget our friends on Stitcher Radio. If uh, you're listening to us there, please make sure you uh, give us the plus sign or the thumbs up or whatever it is on that (laughs) that uh, lets other people know that you like us. That will help us get into other playlists. So enough of all that hubaboo. Now it is time for the show. Here is Table Topics number 54 of Dyson Mint. Welcome to Table Topics with the RPG Academy. Uh, my name is Michael. I uh, have my co-host as usual, Caleb, and we have two very special guests with us tonight. We have Kelly Slagle, who was the director and producer of the feature length of Dyson Men. And then we also have her Cave Girl Productions partner, Seth Polanski, who, uh, who also, again, in addition to being an executive producer, also was sound composer, sound designer, location mixer, and didn't hit record person on the movie. <laughs> and we are here to talk mostly about the feature of Dyson Men that premiered recently at PAX uh, and also has a Gen Con premiere that will be coming up. I don't, get, I don't guess the title is actually premiere at that point, but a showing at Gen Con. Sure, it's Midwest premiere. <laughs> Midwest premiere. <laughs> you go. Uh, go ahead, if you guys don't mind, go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit, whatever bona fides I left out, what you want to do so people know who you are and, and your voices. So Kelly, we'll start with you. Great. Hi, I'm Kelly Slagle. I am the founder, <laughs> owner, operator, and talent of Cave Girl Productions. Um, we're an independent film, TV, and uh, uh, internet media production company. We've been around uh, doing things for about the last 10 years, uh, mostly in short films. This is actually our first feature film that we've ever done. So um, it's really exciting. And Oh, hi. I'm Seth Polanski. I am, uh, I am the evil dark power behind the throne. And uh, <laughs> um, I've been a, a sound engineer and audio engineer for about 20 years, and uh, I have a horrible, horrible corporate law habit, which which certainly helps behind the scenes keep everything going at, at Cave Girl. And in addition to being executive producer, I did all of the location, sound recording, post-production, and uh, a lot of the composition and... The everything you see on the big screen at the end of the day, I'm responsible for the for the audio that goes with it. I guess we'll start big picture. I loved the movie, like absolutely. This isn't this isn't just you know fan service because you guys agreed to be on our podcast. I didn't know what to really expect, but I was very pleased with the movie. I I I think I sent you a message right after I said you know I laughed a lot, I cried a little. It was good. And then I watched it again today. I wanted to watch it and take some some notes. And I think I actually had a stronger emotional connection the second time than the first. Nice. Uh, Because at the end, like, I actually really teared up the second time because I kind of, there were some other things. And again, we don't want to spoil too much specifics, but there were some things early in the movie that there were some connections that I didn't pick up on the first time. So I'm a fan, and I I hope you guys have a fantastic showing because it's a great movie, and I hope people will see it. Thank you so much. That's great. I'm yeah, really glad to hear that. The, the, 
I, I love to hear that because uh, you can imagine how many times I've seen and heard it. Oh, my God. And I still tear up at that. I know exactly what you're talking about, and I still tear up I, there. I literally watched it, you know, hundreds of times because I edited, edited it. And um, I every time I hear the, the, again, won't spoil, a swell of music near the end and, and a poignant moment, I, I, get, I get choked up inside. There's always that, that chill that goes through me. So I, I knew we made something special, you know. Unfortunately, Caleb hated it. Oh, well, oh, well all right. Well, yeah, no, screw him. And, you know, I, we, he doesn't have to say anything for the rest of the interview, right? That's right. He never does. Hey, that's normal. That's normal for most of the show. So I'm that's fine. Well, let's just point out here, Michael threw it to me and then kept going. So you understand the dynamic of our production. Yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about what the hell we're talking about. Of Dice and Men is a feature-length movie based on a theatrical production. Correct. It is pitched, I want to say, as a dramedy, mm -hmm. a little bit of human uh, drama, a lot of humor. To me, this movie is a movie about the characters. It is very much a drama about this moment in these people's lives. Yes. Uh, it, it's definitely a gaming movie, but to me, the gaming is on the second tier. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I walked into this movie a little bit hesitant. Uh, I'd read the some of the press release information you gave us. I did a little bit of research online. I, and gaming movies have that stereotypical element that we all kind of dread and cringe about. <laughs> the stigma of cheese. Exactly. Our hobby is not a noble one. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's exactly, that is exactly uh, the, the point. You yeah, know, I we, mean, we, our we, tagline is a geek movie without the self-loathing for a reason. What we <laughs> wanted to prove with this movie was that geeks are, are gamers, are just like everybody else. You know, some of them are assholes. <laughs> yeah. Some of them are wonderful. Most of them are wonderful people, but they are just like everyone else. They have real jobs, real lives, and they're smart, funny, intelligent people. Right. Absolutely. 100% agree with you because, you know, I, I don't want to be that asshole in the basement. Right, um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think you guys very, very, um, very admirably portrayed the, the role that gaming has in a gamer's life and that it's this, this weird kind of balance between your passion for the game and how that passion and that social interaction impacts your real life and your real relationship with these people at the table. And I think yeah. that's really the heart of the movie. Yeah, I, I really have to give props to Cameron McNary, who is the creator of, of the play that it's based on, and Francis Abbey, who helped uh, Cameron adapt the screenplay. They both just were able to bring all of that out so he could see it. <laughs> And it wasn't it wasn't a cerebral effort. It actually was you know the the interaction between the characters was actually brought out on the screen, and that 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 was key. This this movie is, and you, I, you'll probably ask me a question later that that this line is going to be more appropriate for, but I I just want to make sure we don't miss it. Whenever anybody asks me about this, this movie is a love letter to my childhood. I I grew up like these people. These these people are pieces of me are in every one of this person. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to make the movie. You know, this movie would not have been made but for 
um, my, my, my childhood experiences. Well, one of the things that I'm sure there's going to be comparisons, whether it's fair, fair or not, to other quote-unquote gamer movies. Recently, Zero, oh, Zero sure. Charisma came out. Uh, Unicorn yeah, City, yeah. which I haven't seen. but I, I haven't seen that either. I've heard a lot about so it. I, I've seen both, and comparisons will be made, and we are completely different than both movies. And I've seen Gamers 2, mm-hmm. which is funny, like I, but it's it's a collection of gags that if you are a gamer, you get, and it's funny. I don't know that it has a lot of heart. I agree, I agree. Well, what, but I like the Gamers series. It's just a totally different thing. You know, it's just, it's nowhere, you can't compare the two. They're just different, different flavors of the same kind of Let, let me make an analogy. Origins. Let me yeah. make an analogy. Our movie is like playing with a DM who really loves the game and has a great sense of humor. Their movies are like playing with a DM who is the biggest comedian on earth. Yeah. They're both awesome in their own right. They're both awesome in their own right, but th- that's the difference. It's just, yeah, it's just And different. then uh, the Zero Charisma movie, which I did enjoy. I thought Zero Charisma was good, but there were parts of that movie that I saw myself, and I didn't like that. I was like, you know, this is accentuating the, some of the bad parts that are, that are present in the hobby. So I connected with it, but I was kind of like upset about it. This one I connected with, and I was happy about. Right. It's like this is the positives of being a gamer that I really enjoyed. Exactly. And then specifically, exactly. the thing that I'll mention is that there's a conversation that happens between two characters that is very important, very emotional, and I don't think it could have happened except for the game. And I think that's for a lot of people right. who are gamers. Yeah, it's a fantasy thing, and we're dwarves and wizards, and we throw fireballs. But just like sometimes when you're sarcastic, you tell the truth, but you say it funny because it's hard to just have a hard conversation. I sure. think. Look, a D and D game is cathartic for some people. It, it is. It is a chance to say those things that you would not otherwise say. It's a chance to to tell someone something that you're too embarrassed to, or you really don't even know what it is you're trying to say but you can get it out through the game because it's this cathartic event and everyone's as into it as you are and you look around the table and everyone's emotional and, and you can say those things. And, you know, a, a lot of men have trouble expressing their feelings. You know, but, but in a game you can say, I love you, man, without five beers. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, that's, that's the reason the movie works so well. Is it, it is funny. I don't want anybody to take away that it's not right. very funny, but it has that heart. And uh, I was very, I connected to the movie in ways that I was, I would be proud of. This is a movie that once it's out on DVD, I will own. And if I have someone who's not a gamer, who's like, so what is it you do? Watch this movie and it will make sense to you what we That's do. That's exactly and why, right. why we do it. That's yeah. exactly right. The point is that you can show this movie to your grandmother. Well, maybe the cursing. That's, I mean, that's, that's the, there's a quote, uh, Cameron, yeah. the, the writer uh, of the play and, and the co-screenwriter, he has a great quote on our website. I wish I could quote it directly, but he talks about, you know, bringing your grandmother or your girlfriend, you know, to see this or to watch this, and they will now understand why you game. Or, or what gaming is. Or, you know, or some what people it is. just some don't people, know. Some, yeah, some people, do, it, it, what I like about the movie, what I liked about the story was that it, it did a good job of, explaining the mechanics of gaming to someone who does not game and to see how a, the game is actually played while doing character development at the same time. So that that was really neat, I thought. Yep. Yeah, I, going off that, I, I think this is a very accessible movie to any viewer. Oh, wonderful. It, I, it is, this, this is the type of movie that you don't have to understand gaming to get. Right. 
you, you, you weren't heavy-handed with the the mechanical jokes of the game. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> had to pay some lip service, though. You couldn't get... We could not oh, yeah. make the jokes, you know? <laughs> but, oh, of course. And, yeah. and, and the, the bits of the actual mechanics you, you portrayed very, very well. And, and And we... Uh, there was definitely a, a lot of understandable humor to a long-time gamer. Good, good. good. So you, you played to both audiences, but... Excellent. Anybody watching this movie can say, oh, well, here's guys, and they're doing this, and oh, shit, look at all this is happening in the background, which really becomes the foreground of where the story is. Right. So, so that, that gets pulled out as you, you get deeper into the movie. Um, why don't we back up a little bit and talk about the transition from theatrical play to screenplay mm-hmm. and how you guys got involved in that. It didn't just happen, oh, let's, let's make this damn movie. How did we get from point A to point B? All right, so I, I have a little story, and then I'm going to hand this off to Kelly. So uh, I, I bear with me for a minute. <laughs> I, I have a monthly game night. I have friends that have been – I've been doing it for almost 14 years now. And once a month, people come over to my house, and we play games all night until you know the wee hours of the morning or the early hours of the dawn. And um, I woke up one Saturday morning after game night, and I came down to my living room, and on my coffee table, amongst the beer bottles and uh, and, and and plates, was a, a a script with a big red read me on it. I, I picked it up, and uh, six hours later, I had completed the first draft of the screenplay. <laughs> yeah. And then I sent Cameron an email saying, "Hey, don't kill me, but I've already screenplayized this, and we we should make it a movie." Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, from there, um, I'm the one who's been pretty much the, the lead on making movies with Cave Girl. I mean, that, um, that's that's where I came from before we, we ever got together. Uh, we're married. Um, we are? <laughs> yes, Damn it. I, mean, I know. <laughs> so, um, so uh, you know, Seth put this idea forth to me that we would make this into a movie, and I was a little hesitant at first. Um, I I wasn't sure we could pull it off because the theatrical version is so visual uh, and to the audience. There's so much of it that's delivered to the audience in, in the play version. And so I wasn't sure how we could make it palatable for the screen. Ferris Bueller, two words, Ferris Bueller. <laughs> right, so obviously there was, there's, a, there's, a, there's a nod to, the, the way we ended up constructing it was there's a nod to how the Ferris Bueller delivering, you know, pushing the fourth wall kind of idea works and we decided and or high fidelity is another good example of that yes so our big thing is we call this high fidelity meets dragon slayer <laughs> um that's one of our you know it's it's not quite that but we think it's funny to say um but anyway so it, it took some convincing but once uh we got uh, francis abbey involved who i've worked with on broken continent um the web series we did a couple years ago and some other things he's a great screenwriter and once we got him and cameron working together it became magic. Um, and so there were many nights uh, sitting in front of the computer where we were over their shoulders watching what they were doing and annoying the hell out of them, <laughs> um, saying, no, we need to change that, no, we need to change that. So there was a couple months of that process making it into a good screenplay. And, um, and one of the things you'll see if you if you go to see the play at PAX, and the, or sorry, the play at Gen Con mm-hmm. and then the movie at Gen Con, um, there's a lot of uh, copyrighted material in oh, the play. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. So in the play, you can freely say, or he freely said in the play, Dungeons and & Dragons and D&D and everything else, and in our version, we couldn't do that. 
we could only mention it in a, in a roundabout a, way, in a, in a roundabout way, in a factual way. Like, in, in there's a scene where the characters are talking in the game store about uh, the third edition of D and D, and they're allowed to use use the words because they're talking about the facts of its existence. But we could not use. Dungeons and Dragons in casual conversation in the movie. We, we, we weren't allowed to say that. So we um, asked Steve Jackson Games for permission to use GURPS. And they, they gave us a license. It was awesome. They, yeah. they sent me a big box of GURPS books. It was great. So that's why if you look at the game store, every single book in, in that you can see on screen is a GURPS book. That, that was one of my questions for you at one yeah. point. Because it, yeah. it seemed to me pretty clear they were playing Dungeons and Dragons. Of course, All yeah. you ever actually saw was GURPS books. Yep, that's <laughs> correct. And that's why, is because we couldn't get a D&D license. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, they were not, there was no chance in hell they were going to give us a license to use it. And so, even if they wanted to, they couldn't. So, so. We, we, so in the screenplay, we had to change a lot of references. We had to change some mechanics to GURPS mechanics. There's, there's a, a bit where one of the characters is talking about all of his incarnations of his character, and one of those specific incarnations was made just as a nod to GURPS. Yes. Um, yeah, you guys know which one I'm yeah. talking about. So, yeah. obviously, you couldn't have all those elements in one character without the group system. So, with a good D, with a good DM, you could. Well, maybe. <laughs> but anyway, or so, a bad DM, as the sorry. case may be. Who knows? I've I've gone into babbling land. Sorry. <laughs> uh, why Why don't we uh, Why don't we base off of that tangent there? Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the um. I don't know, lift the curtain for us, kind of the dark side of making the movie. Uh, um, I mean, both Michael and I have been running D&D games forever. So we come from the creative standpoint. And, uh, hey, here, here's a little nod to our listeners here. If you didn't know, both of us do have that dream of being writers. What? <laughs> uh, which, which not very many people know about. Um, but uh, I think we can understand kind of the creative side of what you guys are doing to an extent anyway, sure. but um, what, when it comes down to it, writing a movie, making a movie, I mean, that is wizardry to me. So, <laughs> I mean, what what did this entail? Oh, what yeah. did you guys have to do? What are some sure. horror stories? I mean, we <laughs> love train wrecks. Whips and chains were involved. No, no, they weren't. <laughs> and very specifically, what does a key grip do? <laughs> it's a mystery. Um, I'll, I'll no get to one that knows. Okay. It's the same um, as a best boy. Yes, it's it's the, the, when you get into those positions, it gets kind of weird. Um, our key grip was Peter Garofalo, who was who was a great guy who ended up doing behind the scenes footage, ended up holding things, ended up you know helping out the gaffer with electric electrical things. I mean, he, he kind of was a, a guy of all trades, and that's kind of what key grip ends up doing, at least on independent films. But anyway, so as far as getting the movie off the ground, um, the planning took six months, and that was not a long enough time, in my opinion, because we could have planned for another six months. Easy. When you're talking about doing a movie that involves green screen, you have to do a lot of planning, and we didn't do enough, which I'll get to. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so six months of planning, you know, a couple months writing the script. Uh, we had to cast it. Um, so we we actually, you know, I'm an actor as well, so I knew people that I, I had in mind for some of the characters. And Cameron, uh, the creator, he's also an actor. And just so you know, Cameron is Spango. Yeah, Cameron, the the right, the the right okay. co-writer <laughs> is Spango. Yes, uh, one of the main characters. So anyway. Um, Cameron's an actor and knows people, so he brought in some people to read for things. And we, you know, 
we auditioned several people for each role, and then we had to audition kids, which was a new thing for us. Oof. I had never had to work with children in that way before. <laughs> um, they're a foreign species to me. But um, we got really lucky with the kids we were able to cast. We, we didn't have too much trouble doing that. So that was just the casting. So <laughs> there's so many elements. Um, I can probably go on for hours, so I'll try to skip to the big parts. The arranging for the locations, big yeah. big thing. We got really lucky with the game store location. A friend of ours, Ed Sloman of Games and Stuff in Glen Burnie, Maryland, best game store ever. We had to find a, a location where we could have people sitting around the table that we could control the light and you know uh, it would be quiet enough to film and you know all this stuff. So finding locations, planning the green screen shots was the most difficult part of the process because we had to have people who were three feet tall, four feet tall, six feet tall, all in the same shot together, <laughs> you know. And so when you're doing a green screen for something like that, you know, for example, we have a, a halfling character and a paladin next to each other in a lot of the film. You have to, we had to film them at the same time, but make sure they didn't touch. And they can't if they ever touch, cross the, the the line. If they cross the line, if they you can't touch. Scale they can't change their size. <laughs> you know, I mean, just little things like that. The big thing with our green screen. Here's a horror story wrapped in wrapped in one. It's my fault. Yes, it's it's all Seth's fault. <laughs> is that when you do green screen and want to show people's feet, you want to have them not them float in midair in your fake background. So you have to have a real floor. have a real floor for them to stand on. So in our desert location that you see in the film, we wanted to have a red rock floor that they stood on. So we did what anybody would do. We took red rock from Home Depot and glued it to plywood and brought it in in chunks into this studio. Who wanted it, to kill us. 50 I mean, pounds a piece. And we dumped 20 bags of lava rock on the floor in their studio. Imagine the dust. Oh, my God. We, I... A long story short, it's it's amazing. I still have a job at this particular studio that I work at. But anyway, um, yeah. So, but we had it ended up looking great and sounding great when people stood on it and crunched on it, you know, stuff like that. Um, so just arranging for all that stuff, the costuming. Um, you know, we we had to <laughs> so beg, it, borrow, and steal for costuming. We had to have a makeup artist for people's fake ears. We had to have, you know, I mean, it just goes on and on. We had this lovely green dress for oh, the elf to wear. Yeah. And then we realized, hey, we're doing green screen shots. Yeah, if you look at the promo <laughs> pictures, the elf, the half-elf half elf sorceress is wearing a green dress in the promo pictures, but in the movie she's wearing blue because we realized... We Oops. can't have her wear green. <laughs> it's little things like that. I mean, um, the actual shooting took place over 10 days last September. So it's been almost a year. Um, and uh, we shot 10 days straight, um, you know, 16-plus hour days. That was our vacation from work. Yeah, our, our, our vacation, vacation last year was 16-hour days of shooting a film. Um, I think you're doing vacations wrong. Just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It, yeah, it's it's kind of wrong. It was but fun. It was kind fun. of kind of kind of <laughs> not. Um, but uh, I mean, I God, we could tell horror stories forever. I think. But not too many because you know we got to save some for the IMDb entries. It was actually not too bad. Um, I've been on a lot of independent film sets, and as far as those go, this was probably the most positive experience I've ever had. Yeah, the one thing I want to add as executive producer here is. So there are a lot of independent movies that get made for, uh, hey, we're making this cool movie. You should come act in it for free. We paid everybody. Every single person involved in this movie was paid. Maybe not a lot, but, but a, a, living, a, a living wage, like enough to, you know, pay rent and whatever. But Right. 
No, was there is there anybody from the cast who was a gamer or had a history or would? Well, obviously Cameron. Obviously Cameron. Yeah. Um. Uh. He's the big one. Everybody else. Uh. Were very. So Ricardo's uh, played before. Ric- that's true. Ricardo, the one who played the paladin. Um. Uh. Jason. He is. He had played before. Um. Everybody else was new to it. Um. So what we did before <laughs> the uh, filming was we had a game. We ran a game oh. together. We ran a campaign. So, so uh, I, I, I invited everyone over, and I, I rolled up the characters from the movie. I was an I, NPC. I, and uh, and I, I DM'd uh, an afternoon game, and, and everyone uh, had to play their character from the movie. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, you guys should have recorded that as like a commentary. Well, we have pieces enough. of it. We, we have recorded that, and that will be going in behind the scenes when oh. we get to that. And um, also, something we'll we can mention again later, we actually are writing a game supplement based on the game in the film. Oh, that's awesome. See, when you, when you mentioned you guys wanted to be writers, come, come and have a little, we'll have drinks at, uh, at Gen Con. We'll sit and have a <laughs> chat because a couple of friends and I have actually had a really good time writing this gaming supplement that's this, this gaming supplement that goes along with the movie. It's, it's a, uh, Indiegogo it's a reward. We're, yeah. we're, we, we told people when we collect when we collected their money from Indiegogo that this would be one of their rewards. So we, we've got to do it, and it actually turned out to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So again, into just a gamer question. So Kelly, you said again, you're gamer adjacent. So that's having, my favorite. Yeah. Having spent all this time in a this movie, has it made you more or less interested in joining game nights? Definitely more. I mean, I've been, I've been, I participate in game night, but we have, you know, every board game imaginable and card games and everything else. So I, I play those kind of games, but I hadn't been. I'd only played D and D maybe three times in my entire life, and every experience I had wasn't a good one. Um, uh, because and it was ex-boyfriends, assholes. Ex, yeah, <laughs> we'll blame them. Yeah, yes. it was just kind of they didn't. People weren't patient with me, so I could learn the game, um, and that was why I was turned off from it initially. So, um, oh yeah, it's made me way more interested. I know way more about it than I ever thought I would. Um, and honestly, one of the one of the things that I think resonates for actors more than other people is I, I I'm going to say something here that's sort of uh, verboten to gamers. So uh, I, I think actors like LARP better, and I think they should probably get involved in LARP before <laughs> they get involved in tabletop because it's it's where their it's where their comfort zone is. Yeah, I've actually speaking of the ex, <laughs> I, I used to make a joke, you know, how many of my ex boyfriends are gamers? That's why I'm gamer adjacent. Um, uh, I actually helped run Werewolf and Vampire the Masquerade games before, so I've helped run LARPs before, <laughs> but I I haven't been a, a a role player. So it's, it's just, it's interesting. Okay. So Caleb, I know you had a couple questions about fundraisers. Is there anything we want to talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to bring that up here. Um, Seth, you mentioned that you, you did some funding through Indiegogo. Mm-hmm. Um, we have talked with some other people that have done uh, some different crowdsourcing. So uh, what was that experience like? Uh, why did you pick Indiegogo versus any of the other places you could have gone with? I mean, just tell us a little bit about that. I'm I'm gonna let Kelly talk handle that one because I I loathe asking people for money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like it, like it either. I well, I this in, this Indiegogo campaign was my third crowdfunding campaign. We did two of them for the Broken Continent, the web series we did a couple years ago. So it's it's kind of old hat for me at this point. Um, the reason why we went with Indiegogo over Kickstarter was the ability to keep what you earn. With Indiegogo, where you don't have to reach a, a goal amount to keep the donations that you get, um, and that that's why we went with Indiegogo this time because we had private funding, but we needed to supplement that with whatever we could get from Indiegogo. So 
that's that's why we chose that. Um, as far as the experience goes, you know, crowdfunding is rough. It's a rough. It's a full time job. It's a full time job, you know, on its own for thirty days or however long your campaign is, and it's it's a lot of work. <laughs> um, but you just have to keep at it and keep at it. Um, I think we we did okay. We got about half the amount that we went for, and. I think we would have done better, but I had run the Broken Continent campaigns, you know, less than a year before that. So the well was kind of running dry, you know, so it was hard. It was hard to get more out of, of, of the same people who would be interested in the same kind of thing. So um, but I think we did very well and I was I was happy with it. At the end of the day, the movie's paid for. <laughs> right. We got what we needed and that that's what mattered. We got what we needed to make a good movie. Cool. Cool. So, uh, what type of interaction did you have with uh, with your fans and your funders during that process? Did you give them some behind the scenes look? Were you just uh, sure. kind of giving them some some blog updates throughout the day? Well, it's an ongoing process. We still have many rewards yet to give. We are still completing the game module, which was a major digital reward. We have to finish um, all the behind the scenes, which I haven't even touched because we've been getting the movie out. We have like a hundred hours of behind the scenes to go through. We had cameras running the entire time on set. I can't wait to see it, but I haven't had time to go through it yet. So we've got to do that. We um, we have some uh, signed items we need to get out the door to people. Uh, we just haven't had a chance to get the cast over here to get everything signed. But we've sent out the link to the film online, a private link to the backers so they can see it while we finish the post-production, which we're still working on actually, we're still finalizing the post-production as of this moment. Um, it's getting color corrected as we speak, a new color correction, and uh, we're doing a 5.1 surround mix on it. So as soon as that's complete, in the next couple of weeks, we will start pressing DVDs. Um, and then the DVDs go out the door uh, to the people who were promised those. And our, our goal is to have the DVDs in time for Gen Con. Right, we wanna have them in time for Gen Con so we can, we can get those out to people. Now, if we don't have them, of course, I will be. Uh, I will have a bag of USB sticks for sale. Yeah, we'll go the USB route if we have to, but um, we'd rather go the, the DVD route. But yeah, so we're still in the Indiegogo process. And as far as interacting with the fans go, we, we did a great thing during the campaign. We made people character sheets, custom character sheets for donations of $10 or above. So I would, I'm, you she know, did a the hack Photoshop. So I would take their face and put them on, you know, a, a Gandalf head, you know, and make them a wizard. And we'd, Seth would roll up their characters. And, you know, we, we, uh, we made custom character sheets. Those are on our website. People, you should check them. them out. They're actually hilarious. Some, of them, the... some of them are ridiculously funny. Yeah, they're really funny. What's the website they're, where they're at? Uh, of dicemen.com/support. You can see all the ones we did for people, and we'll, we'll still do them for people if people want to donate money. If you want to, to donate the money? Cost. We'll do more character sheets. <laughs> but uh, you know, not required. Nice. Okay, so let's do this. So the the whole the whole thing started as a screen as a sorry as a theatrical play. That's right. The, the theatrical play actually ran at one of the PAX conventions, right? Correct. In 2010 at PAX Prime. Okay. And uh, that was uh, Cameron. Cameron wrote that. He was actually in that original production, if I remember correctly. He played John Francis. Oh, he did? Okay. Yeah. Yep. So he, he, not, he, he gave us the, uh, the fourth wall breaking narrator at that point. So he, he, that is correct. He <laughs> ushered us into his own story, which is pretty cool. So then we transitioned to the movie, and right. uh, this year, um, obviously we, we've been talking about Gen Con the whole time, um, but uh, there there are other 
screenings and um, and the theatrical presentation is still going on as well. Yes. Right. It's actually the play has been performed several times all over the country um, at, at different theaters, um, and I there's a theater the theater that's performing it at Gen Con is uh, Otherworld Theater Company, and I can't remember. They're I think they're in, they're in Chicago. They're out of Chicago. Yes, I don't know. Right offhand, Cameron would know, but he's not here tonight. Um, if there's any other theaters that are currently producing it, um, I, I don't know. But it's it's available for for theaters to produce right now. Um, and then our screenings, we had uh, PAX East earlier in April. We did um, our own screening in, in at the AFI Silver Theater in Silver Spring, Maryland, in May. And then um, we did the Too Many Games convention in, near Philly. Uh, about a, was that a month ago? About a month ago. About a month ago, and uh, the next one is Gen Con, the 14th to the 17th. Then the next weekend after that is Intervention, which is in Rockville, Maryland. Um, it's Local. a very small, new, newer con. Um, awesome, that, nonetheless. But they're very nice and very nice to have us. And then the next weekend is Dragon Con in Atlanta. And PAX and Prime. And <laughs> now we've just found out, literally, you know, yesterday that we're going to also be at PAX Prime in Seattle the same weekend as Dragon Con. So we just have to figure out who's going to go where. And uh, and then we've also submitted for New York Comic Con, but have not heard back yet. Hmm. So we're waiting until we'll know by mid-August whether or not we're going to be at New York Comic Con. And that's in October. And we're still trying to figure out internally a strategy for the, the, the real, not real, but the... the uh, Film industry, film festivals. Right, we've submitted to some of those as well, and we just haven't heard back from any of them yet. What has, what has the reception been so far at all the uh, the con showing that you've done? Wonderful, amazing, wonderful. I, I, you know, when we were talking earlier in in the in the discussion about about emotional responses, I've actually had people come up to me crying after the movie, saying, you know, I, I have a loved one who's in the military, or you know, I lost someone, and the last time I saw them was at a, at a game. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So it's uh, what what we're really trying to do is is tap into the military community. We know there's a huge role playing uh, contingent in in the military, and there's no easy way to access it. Uh, honestly, I just want them to see the movie. Right. You know, whether they buy it or not, I just want no, them to I see just, it because just... in a lot of ways, it's for them. Right. Well, there is a there is a certain scene that is a, uh, a very quick shot that is a bit of a payoff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the finale. You know what you did because you shot it. You know um, what you did. <laughs> <laughs> that um, I think really kind of sells the importance of what you just said. Right. And that those people who have um, chosen to make the sacrifice to serve what this hobby and these relationships mean to them. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I, I know I already ranted about it a little bit, but this movie is just about the relationships that form at the gaming table. Right. Um, Michael and I, in our regular shows, uh, very routinely talk about the fact that, at least me personally, m- my favorite part of gaming is, is the social connection and the social dynamic that we get to, to play at the table and that social storytelling that evolves. And you guys just run with that, and you take it a step further to the the relationship dynamic that exists between these these friends and these fam- this family that has formed. Right. Yeah. Right. We don't want to we don't want to alienate any gamers, 
But at the end of the day, this movie is about people and the relationships between them, not about gaming. It just happens to be the framework from which the story is told. Right, exactly. It's. I think one of my favorite parts was that the uh, the married couple that are in the movie, yep. you guys flipped the stereotype yeah. of who was the gamer and yep. who was participating for the sake of the marriage. Yeah, yeah, and they, they both were excellently played by by uh, Rebecca Heron and Greg Thompson. They did such a great job with them too. So and Greg oh. will be at Gen Con actually. Greg, Greg will the guy who played uh, Brandon, the husband uh, character, he will be at Gen Con with us as well. He's actually moderating. He is running uh, an acting and independent films panel. Oh wow! So uh, I highly recommend if folks are interested in that. Uh, check it out. I'll see if I can. Dig that one up, too, and I'll put it on there as well. There's a bunch of film panels. I, I'm going to be on different ones. There's a female filmmaker panel. There's a crowdfunding for film panel. There's... Oh, and, and I, I'll be on the... Uh, I'm on the sound. He's on the for sound film for film panel. So, yeah, I think we're doing film special effects, oh. too. So. And, and just to get back to Becky and, uh, Becky and uh, Greg, right. you know, we made everyone audition. We made everyone read. Yep. But I got to tell you, the, the first time I read Burak with the Scottish accent... I couldn't imagine anyone but Becky playing that character. We've, we've known Becky for <laughs> ten years, so it was it was an easy easy thought to have her and read. She did role. such a fantastic job. One of the things that I found interesting, and I'm sure this was through the writing process, but each of the characters in the game world were kind of a reflection in some way on the the characters that they were based off of. So, uh, you know, Jason and Kester. You know, he's playing a paladin. He's the guy that ends up going into the military. Clearly, there's like a protective nature to him. Right. I'm trying to figure out what Durek says about Linda. She's filthy. <laughs> she's filthy on the inside, baby. No, she, I mean, she, she, she is. She's just crass and speaks her mind and, you know. It's a lot of the things that, that the Linda character can't be in real life. It, it, because at the end of the day, that's a lot of what people play D&D for. They, but, but in a way, though, I don't know if I agree with that. Because <laughs> there's there's a part in the movie where she's talking about her kids, and you know, and she's kind of yelling at them, and she doesn't pull any punches when she's yelling at her kids, you know. <laughs> so she doesn't pull any punches when she's playing. She's direct the dwarf either, you know. So it's I'll, I, I think it's, I think they reflect each other really well. Actually, yeah, that, there was a, there was a lot of humor in the movie, but I think her in particular, her, most of her scenes were yeah. the most laugh out loud kind of moments. Yeah. And then I was, cause there were, again, I'm not kidding. There's a couple points I kind of, you know, I got choked up, but my favorite moment actually is Brandon's speech. Uh, near oh, the end, yeah. that, that oh, particular yeah, moment. And, so and that line, and I, I won't spoil it. I think it may be like the trailer though, but I think that sums up the entire movie is that, you know, we play this yeah. silly game, but it means something. Yeah, exactly. and it's in the trailer, so I'll say it. Um, uh, f- football and gaming have something in common. They're both completely pointless, and they matter. And so it's, it's yes, it completely sums up the movie, and Greg delivered it so well, you know. And and we're, you know, we did, we were, maybe we had dreams beyond our station, but we actually did a focus group or two, and the people who did not know gaming actually called out that line as the one line that got them about the movie. That said. Oh, uh, now I get it. And now now, now I understand. Now I understand why you people are so into this because silly hobby. It is. It's so funny. You know, I know so many people who I've worked with and things like that who who aren't you know, gamer adjacent or even a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> people who aren't in, nerdy in any way, shape, or form. Uh, you know, they they play fantasy football 
all the time. Because D and D is don't... just fantasy, or fantasy football is just D and D for sportos. Yeah, basically. <laughs> you know, I mean, they just and they claim not to understand it, and I just don't get get it. You know, because it's 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 just two sides of the same coin to me. I think a lot of that's just exposure. I mean, I think uh, our two, yeah. our two young John Johns in the in the beginning they were exposed early. This is a way their friendship grew. Right. Where you know. Brandon's character probably grew up in a household where his mom or his dad like watched football every Sunday, and right. you know, and it, it's just the way it kind of works out, you know. And they're a little bit more similar than a lot of times people either realize or want to realize. Yeah, I do think that was a fantastic part of the movie, and like I said, it's probably my favorite line of the movie, um, even though it's not the part that got me the most choked up or the part right. that made me laugh the most. <laughs> it just it was a it was a great line, and it was yeah. delivered very well. Yeah, Cameron and and Francis again, they, yeah. they 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 just did such a great job. And the subtext here, without beating you over the head with the you know the ethics stick or the subtext stick, is look as long as you have an open mind, everybody's everybody's thing is okay. Everybody's thing is is, is a good thing. You know, yeah. as long as you understand it and you love the people who are doing it. Wow, that was profound. You were very profound. Yes. I, I just don't want to follow that up. That was just so <laughs> impressive. <laughs> from a from a, a movie standpoint, from a, a film standpoint, you know, we, we had the you know the dynamic of watching these people in their you know doing what they love, you know, doing something that they had a passion for, and that came across in the movie. You know, I was. I was more swept up by just watching these people interact. I honestly didn't pick up the fact that D&D had been out of the picture for a little bit <laughs> until you had mentioned it. Now, re- re- retrospect, I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, I knew it was GURPS the whole time, but I was just in that mindset of, of kind of rolling with the punches. Good. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think the... the um, the dialogue and, and the scenes, the way you, the way you brought everything together on screen, really made the emotions that these people were going through very, very accessible and very, very easy to follow. Like, you, think you didn't hit us over the head with the oh, shit, <laughs> This guy is going through a very emotional time. <laughs> um, yeah. Everything played out very, very well drama-wise. Something I said to Michael before we uh, we jumped on with you guys was, um, I had I had a little bit of a Clerks vibe. Oh, how interesting! So they see. So the other ex- producers and folks didn't don't like it when I say, "Look, no, I'm telling you, not, I want." Oh, okay. It's not that we don't like it. I think it's interesting to hear. I'm I'm actually very interested to hear that somebody picked thought of that when they're watching it. I I I was very adamant that the wit be very quick if we were going to have it. And that's the only similarity I would draw between the two is that there wasn't a nod to quick wittedness, if, that, if that's a word. Um, and But it's funny because every time, you know, Seth is the one who's always compared it to clerks in a way. And I'm like, but it's not clerks. I, 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 get, I get outvoted when we have the marketing meetings. Yeah, I'm like, and, don't and, call it clerks. And I want to say, look, I want to call this the clerks of role-playing game movies. But I, it's not. Like, I would call the gamers more... Closer, close. The gamers' movies closer to that kind of comedy. You know what I mean? Right. But um, but they're just it's just a different style. You know. Yeah. But we had this. We had a similar wit to it. That's and all. and the fact that it's uh, it's using the using the entity that the movie is claiming to be the the gaming entity 
Mm. That is what the uh, the convenience store is in Clerks. Gotcha. <laughs> nothing to do with the movie. Gotcha. <laughs> People that are there doing things. I right. mean, when when um the the very the very opening scene of the movie when uh, John Alex comes into the basement yep. and they're just kind of firing back and forth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's that's what made me think. Wait a minute, am I watching Clerks? Oh, what? that's funny. <laughs> well, you win, Seth. There you go. Well, I win. <laughs> Wait, you you heard it here first. Yeah, you heard My it. My wife says I win. Oh God, now it's on the radio. <laughs> on the internet. It's on the internet. It has to be real from this point. Yes, it's on the internet. It must be true. <laughs> well, one thing I would I, I would add in there, and, and I'm I'm not educated uh, when it comes to films. I watch a lot of movies, and I actually have a, a second podcast now just for movies with a childhood friend. I'll plug that. We saw it twice because we only talk about <laughs> movies that we've seen twice. But I even thought the editing, like uh, especially with the gags, particularly with the the character who keeps dying uh, <laughs> near the end. Just, I just thought the editing worked really well to help sell that. So. Uh, Great. Again, from an uneducated Great. standpoint, I thought the editing was very good. Thank you. I'm very proud of it. It was it was a lot of fun to work on. As and the I wanted to add, yeah, as it, well, it was great cuz I did. Yeah. No, <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, it's it was a lot of fun to edit and I it was I love I love working with the character who dies all the time. Wait, that was, fun? That you just used amazing. the word fun? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. It was really hard work, but it was fun to do if I look back at it with rose-colored glasses. So, um, but I also wanted, while we're talking about editing, I wanted to give a shout-out to our director of photography, Autumn Moran, who um, did an amazing job. We used a, a great camera. We used a, a Red Epic camera, which if, for people who know something about cinematography will know what it's capable of. And she was she was great with it. And um, her assistant camera, Wesley Hunt, as well, was, was great. Um, and they did a great job visually just making people sitting around the table look interesting, <laughs> which, which was the bi- a big challenge and part of our planning beforehand was how are we going to make people sitting around a table this long be interesting to look at, you know? So it, it was, you know, part Autumn's camera work, part the fact our lighting was so great, done by Stuart Haight and uh, Mike Yoder. They did a great job lighting the table to make it look interesting. You are you so know? good at that name-dropping um, our crew. I have... I've done, <laughs> I did the credits. <laughs> yeah. I know everybody on the film. Yeah. So, uh, but I mean, I do want to just give everybody a shout out that deserves it. You know, everybody on the, everybody on the cast and the crew was amazing. So, um, but yeah, I just, the big point I wanted to make was, you know, it's hard to make people sitting around a table look good. Yeah. One, one of the, when I talked earlier about, you know, when I woke up and read the script and I thought, Hey, we can make this into a movie. The reason I thought we could make it into a movie was, there's a bunch of green screen scenes and people sitting around a table. Woo-hoo! I need two locations. <laughs> no, it ended up being more than two locations. <laughs> well, in a game store, you know, three locations, right? Yeah. And uh, that's one of the things that, that was the most challenging was making those, okay, we can make this movie relatively inexpensively and make it look good, but how do you make it interesting? Yeah, yeah. Visually. Visually, exactly. Uh, you know, the dialogue was interesting. Was there anything in the script that wasn't you guys weren't able to film because of lack of location? If we had fifty thousand dollars, we would have made a CGI dragon. Ah. <laughs> yeah. So that that's a good point. So there's there's a whole um, you know point where the the monster in the game they you never see in in reality quote quote unquote you never see an interactive live monster of any kind because we didn't have the budget for it. So that's why we did what we did and used our miniatures and used you know, things so well. like that. And so it it does. 
that was that that was not you know in the play script for example that's not how it was portrayed but we had to come up with a mechanic for the for the visual for for telling it on screen that people would it would work and be believable in a pseudo fantasy world <laughs> right i mean if, if this were a hollywood movie it would have been a multi million dollar budget right. it would movie have been CGI, and the stuff been, you know all of the all of the game stuff would be you know the hobbit it would all look like lord of the rings right but what we did was we decided, look, we're never going to make it look as real as Hollywood's going to make it look. Right. But they're playing a game. As long as we keep that in mind and we show that they know they're playing the game, the audience knows they're playing a game. Right. We don't have to hide the fact they're playing a game. That was the decision. We don't have to hide it. No, and, I mean, if you had a million dollars to make a great-looking dragon, I might change my mind here. But right, right. I didn't miss the fact that we didn't see the dragon. I thought it fit the, what you were doing. And again, the editing, again, uh, the way that you edited showing the miniature in interacting with the dialogue, I thought it was great. Uh, a nod to Seth here as sound designer. <laughs> you you hear the monster, but you never see it. And so the fact you could hear it was enough. You know, you never actually had had to see it. It was believable just hearing it. So and, and, that was a very good job by Seth. And we can't say enough good things. Here's here's another shout-out to a bunch of folks who, who gave us licenses. Oh, yeah. So Tom Wood Fantasy Arts gave us the Black Dragon. He gave us a license to use that big that big thing. Yep. And I gotta tell you, he's been wonderful about it. Um, uh, I believe he's going to be at Dragon Con, so I would I can't oh, wait to meet him great. in person. That'd be great to meet him. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Trey at Redbox Games gave us a bunch of licenses to use the Redbox Games miniatures. Um, we got some other world miniatures. They're yep. a UK company. Yep. They gave us the a certain colored worm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who else? Oh, God, oh if I forget one, they're going to be so worlds. angry at me. Um, hassle-free. Hassle-free miniatures. They gave us some licenses to use miniatures as well. Yep. So all of those miniatures you see in the movie, we had to get licenses for. We right. did. And, and Cameron and... actually was the one who painted them. Yes, Cameron. Cameron painted them. And but he... oh, that's a funny thing. Yes. So Yeah, <laughs> this is hilarious. So I am not a role-playing gamer. However, I have developed a horrible miniature painting habit. Ooh. So due to doing the Indiegogo rewards where, we, where you had to give people miniatures, I helped out in painting the miniatures we were giving out as Indiegogo rewards, and I discovered how much I love doing it. So now I'm at the game store painting miniatures while he's doing a magic tournament, and it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. I, I couldn't be more pleased. Yeah, However, you know, now, now I need to figure out how to get her to paint you know, a bunch of uh, Star Trek fleet camp captain's ships because she doesn't like doing... I don't like doing... She doesn't like mechs or ships. <laughs> she only likes the like, fantasy characters. Well, and one thing I think that's interesting is if there's someone because we we talk a lot about Kickstarter because right now in the RPG industry there's a ton of Kickstarters for new games, new supplements, whatever. Oh yeah. And so we've had a few people on before that have done Kickstarters, which is why I brought that up. But that's something I never would have thought of if I wanted to make like a little web series in my basement. I would have been like, well, I own this stuff. It's mine, so I can use it. <laughs> I never would have thought to have to get a license for the miniatures or for the books that are on my bookshelf. That's you know, it's just something yeah. that, again, with your your law background, I'm sure you were a right. aware of that. Oh, yeah, I was I was the IP Nazi throughout the entire, you know, script writing and filming, down to the point where you know there were some outdoor scenes in the driveway where I made them go and tape up the uh, the make and model of the car because you can't do that either. Yeah, it was we we were extra careful because of his background. We're probably more careful than a lot of independent films about what we were showing on screen. So well. I've got to say, through all of this, 
the movie did not feel like an independent film. Yay! Excellent. <laughs> I, I think everyone, when they hear the words independent film, they have they already have that certain connotation in their mind of, of what it's going to look like on screen. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. That's you. Yeah. No, they do. They do. And one of the compliments we've gotten from people is they're like, oh, it was good. And I'm like, yes, it was. That, that look you see on people's face when they're like, wow, it's a it's a real, real movie. movie. I mean, we're both making air quotes at, at the real, video camera yeah. here. Yeah, it was a real movie. Oh, my God. I can't believe it was real. Yeah, it's like, yep, it's a real movie. <laughs> so is there a sequel in the works? Like, what's the future for Cave Girl Productions? There is a new project, but not a sequel. There is a secret new project in the works that will we hope will appeal to similar uh, groups of people. <laughs> um, but it is obviously, I, I, of Dice Men can't really have a sequel. It wouldn't be appropriate. I, I would hate to try to force one on it. Yeah, you know? without spoiling any of the endings or... It, yeah, I mean, just I, I like, it's a complete story on its own. There's no reason to mess with it. Let it go. You know? Um, but we are we are looking into using a lot of the same, um, some of the same, not some of the same talent behind it. We're, we're looking and doing a project that will appeal to the same group groups of people. Now that's um, said, if Hollywood would, would like to throw a couple of million at us, we're happy to remake it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we'll make it with a CGI dragon if you want. Whatever. Get uh, Benedict Cumberbatch to uh, voice the dragon for you. There you go. Nah, James L. Jones. James L. Jones. Sorry. Uh, so is this new secret project going to be the behind-the-scenes cutthroat of like a magic tournament, like the regional qualifier, oh like dodgeball, but with Magic the Gathering? That would be hilarious. Honestly, that's kind of... No, 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 no. we got to stick with one idea. <laughs> Hmm. Maybe that'll be the third project. There's going to be one credit somewhere. Original idea, bye. Yes, we'll get one credit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So that's just in the very beginning of the planning stages. It hasn't, maybe next year we'll be, you know, maybe in the spring we'll start actually doing something with it. But yeah. I think we've got through most of the things I want to talk about. Caleb, do you have anything else? Because uh, we're about an hour. We always try to keep them close close to that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so wow. Anything we want to do here before we wrap up? Well, I, I think we could uh, just keep chatting about how awesome the movie is for a while. But... I'm perfectly happy to do that. <laughs> I, I think we also need to point out that uh, Seth is the, the second of our, our guests to have an absolutely epic beard. <laughs> it really does not uh, get a favorable mention enough on our audio-only podcast. I don't have an epic beard. I, I'll, you know, I really have to share with you that I was lazy for about a week and a half, two weeks, and Kelly said she liked it, so yeah. I just continued to be lazy and not shave. I am responsible for the epic beard. Hey, my my wife has never seen me without a beard, so really, wow, crazy. More more power to the facial hair. Well, your, your your viewers cannot see what I actually look like, but honest to God, when I'm wearing a white dress shirt, it is all about. Stay thirsty, my friend. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to go there yeah. because then we had a whole other conversation about about that wonderful connection. But I, I appreciate it. All right. Well, um, I'll turn it over to you, you two then. Uh, Kelly, Seth, is there anything else that we left out that's really important for people to know? Um, I think we covered most of the dates. I'll, I'll make sure that I get them 100% correct. So by the time this right. comes out, I'll have them in the pre-show and I'll put them in the yes. show notes. Great. Um, I am... There are again right now. There's plenty of tickets available, yep. which is a travesty. So uh, <laughs> let's let's try to change that. Let's try to fill that auditorium. But I, we need at least one because uh, I, I do want to try to run over there after my game ends and uh, pop in. Excellent. Should be there before the movie's over, and I'd love to say hi to you guys. Great. Uh, you know whatever else, if we can hang out, play some games together, whatever, we're fantastic. Awesome. I think there will be an epic drinking session after the Q and A on Friday night. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
of some kind, I'm sure. I, 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 did I say drinking? I meant hanging out at a restaurant responsibly. and um... <laughs> Exactly. Ga a gaming session with yes. uh, adult beverages. Yes. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Uh, but when you guys are whenever you're ready to announce your newest project, uh, you know, don't be afraid to give us a shout out and uh, right. w whatever little emphasis we have. We, you know, we're a pretty small show right now. We are we are growing at the moment, but we're still pretty small. But um, we have a pretty good, solid fan base. So we will do everything we can to get the word out for you guys. Thank it, you. So this much. isn't just it's not lip service. We are both really fans of the movie. Excellent. And you guys did a great job. And uh, I'm, I'm proud to, to have you guys on. So last chance, last words, anything before we uh, uh, wrap this up? Uh, just you can go to the website of uh, dicemen.com and read all about it um, and keep up with our latest news. Join us on Facebook um, of Dice and Men the Movie uh, on Facebook and Dice and Men Movie on Twitter. And we're we're trying to be social media whores at the moment. <laughs> so, uh, but we're putting up interesting content and we'll be putting up behind the scene things on there uh, as soon as I can get around to editing it. Um, and yeah, that's that's all I've got. I'll give you my my one sentence elevator pitch that uh that that you should uh, memorize and take to heart and, and and keep in the forefront of your brain whenever you talk about the movie. I've been a gamer for 30 years, my whole life, and if I had nothing whatsoever to do with this movie, I, I would buy it and see it. <laughs> I it, I love it, and I I've seen it a hundred times. I do too. And I still really like watching the movie. Yep. All right. Cool. So we always have a the traditional closers. The the, the last question we ask every guest. Uh, since we are pretty, pretty much an RPG podcast, we, we usually ask if you could give one piece of advice to a brand new player or a brand new DM, what would it be? So, Seth, since you're the actual gamer, I'll put it in your court first. <laughs> He's the expert, yes. Kelly you're, you're, Kelly, you're welcome to give your answer as well. One piece of advice to new player, new DM, what would it be? I will answer that question after I ask Kelly a question. Oh, dear God. Did I give you any advice for your game when we played upstairs, and do you remember what it was? No, I don't remember. Okay, so uh, I did. <laughs> I believe <laughs> you. Remember. I believe you. But... But, but the piece of advice I would give to everyone is, if it's not fun, find a different group. <laughs> if you're not having fun, play with different people. Because yes. the whole point of this is to have fun. Yeah, I'm kind of sad that my experiences weren't, weren't that great, you know, when they, it would have done, taken me in a whole different direction, I think, if I had found out about it earlier in my life. I would, I would say, uh, what, <laughs> what would I say? I played a non, an NPC named Black Alice in our, in our, uh, game with the actors. Um, pirate I, captain. I made her a pirate captain. <laughs> <laughs> Relax and have fun. Well, that's uh, that's actually our motto, is that if you're having fun, you're doing it right. So yep. that, that... That's pretty much it. I mean, if you're not having fun, you're doing it with the wrong people. You can give us feedback and comments on our website, therpgacademy.com. You can listen to previous podcasts on our website, and subscribe to new ones on iTunes. If you have a suggestion for a table topic, we'd love to hear it. Email us at podcast at therpgacademy.com or connect with us. We're on Twitter at The RPG Academy. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash The RPG Academy. We also have a Google Plus page, The RPG Academy. As always, thanks for listening. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.